0: I am the recovery guy. Welcome back to uh, this podcast. I hope you uh, continue to enjoy. I've got a message from a from a fella Adam uh, just on the overnight and and he said that he's actually going to my videos now at uh, real recovery guy on YouTube. So if you haven't gone to real recovery guy on YouTube, go check it out. I have 32 video segments there dating back from 6 years ago and I just various topics on recovery and wellness and the Four Ls by Stephen Covey: To Live, To Learn, To Live, To Love, To Learn, and To Leave a Legacy. And I think you'll enjoy. Some of those are shorter than my podcast. They're usually 12 to 15 minutes, where my podcast usually goes for about 30 minutes. Uh, but I think the content is deep, and I think you will appreciate it. Uh, boy, you know, I, I really enjoy meetings and, and some people, you know, I'm coming up on 36 years, personal recovery. My sponsor, slow will has 42 years of recovery. I've known him from day one. My sponsor, Jack, when he died a little bit more than three years ago, had 44 years of personal recovery. Again, uh, if you saw my picture on Instagram with Scott Shields, Scott's got 38, my buddy Steve will have, who was my first temporary sponsor, will have 37 in um, uh, September. Uh, Fast ADP, Uh he will have... Um Uh, 37 years coming up as well. And of course, uh, my good friend, buddy C he's working on 45 years of personal recovery. And this is just a sample of the people who have come in my life. So many people who have passed away like Dr. Bob, one of the the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. It talks about him having permanent recovery, right? He got sober and he died sober. That is permanent recovery from the first day of sobriety. And that's what I strive for. That's what I hope you strive for. I know what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition, but I'm striving for permanent sobriety. I want to be like my sponsor, Jack, who passed away, or Texas Mike, or Abe, or Irv, or many of the others, uh, Russian Ted, who have gone before us, not only in their sobriety, but in life. And they died sober. They died with permanent recovery. From the moment they got sober, the last time they got sober, they stayed sober until they died. And I hope that's our goal, one day at a time for the rest of our life. As I record this on the Monday before Tuesday published, I have 13,127 days of one day at a time. And we are walking miracles. If you haven't looked in the mirror and looked at yourself and said, I am a miracle, I want you to take the opportunity. I want you to stop this podcast. I want you to go find the nearest mirror or your phone, what have you. Look in it and say, I am a miracle. Because you know what? We are. I really believe in positive self talk. I've done blogs, I've done podcasts on it. And nothing is true until i agree and so part of recovery is learning how to think differently right that's why the second step is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity we have to believe that the way we were living and thinking we could drink or use or gamble or overeat or go to that strip joint one more time if that made any sense and it doesn't so we develop a new way of living Obviously, that demands rigorous honesty, but our thinking changes in the process, right? Nothing needs to change, but in me and my attitudes, I have a new way of thinking, right? And and that new way of thinking translates into a new way of living. If you think a particular way long enough, so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I really believe that to be true. I'm so excited to be with you today. Had a great weekend, looking forward to a great week. I'm so blessed in so many of my ways. Next week, I'll be taking my grandson Austin to Southern California for a traveling hockey tournament. What a privilege that is. Um, I'll get to see my brother, George, who's gonna celebrate a birthday. So grateful for that. Hey, check it out. You know, we, we look at people in our life and maybe depending upon where you're at, I'm 68 years old. And so since my mom died, my brother George, and this may or may not mean something to you, but it means a lot to me. It it really elevates <clears throat> my brother George to a whole nother level of relationship and why <clears throat> I strive so hard to be the brother I never was in my addiction to the brother I am in recovery. My brother George is the only living person. Are you ready for this? The only living person who has known me my whole life. Isn't that wild? So I want George to live as long as possible because I want that person in my life who has known me my whole life, right? Certain people have known me from day one of my personal recovery, but my entire life, my entire 68 years, no one has known, no one living has known me my entire 68 years except my brother George. And that elevates him from the wonderful person he already is to an elevated status, and I and I really want to honor that. You know, a cor- uh, along my journey, I've had an opportunity to learn so many things from religious, from secular, like the Word of God as a Christian, from the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, N A O A G A S A E A. You name it. I've been there. Obviously, I'm a very big proponent of of AA and the basic text with N A. But I've read Zig Ziglar books, Aug Mandino, Stephen Covey, I'm a big fan of, you know, uh, Tony Robbins, of course. But there was an author, and this was suggested to me early on in recovery. And today's podcast is entitled Learning to Fly. Learning to Fly, because when we were in our active addiction, we were in what I call a rut. And you know what a rut is? A rut is very simply, and I learned this long time ago from a pastor in um, a Saddleback Community Church, um, and he said a rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. And if we don't get out of the rut, we will die there. And that is the challenge. It's why I think so many people relapse, because their recovery gets stale right? I'm not sure why it gets stale for them. You'll have to decide that if it is stale, if you're not active, if you're not excited, why it got stale for you. I don't know. We could have a conversation and we could uncover that. But people look at me and they say, Robert, you've got so much energy. You're so alive. You you speak so force forcefully. I have this friend of mine and he said, man, I want to talk like you. I want to be confident like you. And I said, well, what's stopping you, man? It's not that I know anything that you don't, I've known it for longer because I've been sober longer, but there's not anything that I know that this person doesn't know. Be excited about the day. And one of the things that I have learned along the way is to always strive, to always be growing. However, sometimes circumstances or some people are going to try to restrict our wellness, our growth, our recovery, right? Um, sometimes it's family members, sometimes it's friends, sometimes it's people with their own denial that when you get better, it shines a light on their illness and they don't want that light shining on them. So they try to sabotage you in the way. And that's what learning to fly is all about, right? Joyce Landorf calls these people irregular people, right? Part of the thing in what I do in in teaching people how to set boundaries is how to relegate those irregular people to the sidelines where we can grow. Sometimes we can't move them out of our life because they could be a significant other. They could be a brother, a sister, someone we work with, or someone who's connected to us where we can't break that umbilical or that familial connection but we can certainly find a way to set them aside so they don't get in interfere with our forward movement There was a book that I was introduced to. Maybe you've read it. Maybe we need to read it again. I just bought another copy because it seems like I'm going to give another copy away to a friend of mine I'm going to have dinner with on Wednesday. But it is called Jonathan Livingston Siegel. This is not a book review. I'm actually going to talk about this. But I want to introduce this book to you. It's by an author by the name of Richard Bach. And if you're new or relatively new to recovery, I certainly recommend this for you. I certainly recommend this read. It's an easy read, you'll enjoy the read. Um, And if you've been around for a while and you've never read it, read it, because it will help us, it helps me unblock the restrictions that the world and others want to place on me in terms of my growth, almost like a, a distraction. This helps me remove the distractions and teaching me that I can learn to fly, that I can become well regardless of anyone. I just have to make sure my motives are correct. Right. And and just because I I I claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection does not mean I don't strive for perfection. It just it only means that I can only claim spiritual progress. So, I'm going to read this on the back cover to you and then we're going to talk about it and how this has been true in my life. But again, this is Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And in on the back of the book it says this book is a song for spirits who have lived so long and so quietly by themselves. Jonathan Livingston Seagull is a story for readers who know that somewhere there's a higher way of living than scuffling the tracks of others a story for someone who yearns to fly. It's a reminder, this little fable, that the path for us to follow is already written within. This is important. Others may watch, they may admire our resolution or despise it, but our one freedom is to love and to choose to live every day of our lives as we wish. Doesn't that sound like recovery to you? So, This book, right, what I tell my coaching clients, one of the things I tell them just to say, you know, to follow what is already written within, I tell my coaching clients, there's nothing that I'm going to give you. There's nothing I can give you because you already possess everything that you need to be everything you've ever desired to be right? Now, obviously, if you're looking for higher education, some skill that that's a little different. I'm talking about the things that really matter. What I tell my clients and my coaching students is, what I'm going to help you do is find it. I can't give it to you because you already possess it. You've already owned it. It's already stamped in your DNA. Let's go find this together, help you actuate it and understand how to use it. The book Jonathan Livingston Seagull is actually about a seagull named Jonathan. And one of the things about Jonathan, and you'll learn quickly on, Jonathan is a seagull. And oftentimes in our recovery, for their own selfish reasons, do they do it? And based on our fear, we allow it. But people don't want you and me to fly. They don't want us to experience the joy of living a life beyond our wildest dreams. Now, obviously, there's many people in our life who do eventually or immediately, but Stephen Covey calls it, uh, have you ever heard of the deficiency mentality? Deficiency mentality is really interesting. The deficiency mentality, he, he views life as a pie. This is Stephen Covey's example. And there's only so many slices to the pie. So if I attack the pie as if it's mine, you see that and you want to limit or restrict how much pie I have because how much pie I have will ultimately determine what pie is available to you. Whether or not you use it is not relevant. What is relevant is how much I get because it's a direct correlation to what is there for you, right? That is the deficiency that's operating in a deficiency. More for you means less for me. When in reality, we can all have our own pie and we can share, but I can own my own pie. That is the quality within. That is what lies within what Tony Robbins talks about. The power within is something that I own. I can share it, and it will be replenished because that's the the beauty and the universal law of reciprocation. But it's really true. And maybe you've known people in your life who would want to restrict your growth and your accomplishment because it may have a a, a limiting effect or effect on them, or affect an effect on on them. Uh, I, I've come across these people in my path and I've learned how to limit them in terms of access that they have to me. But this book is really good, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, a little talk first. Um, this Friday, I'm going to be recording an episode with my friend Justin B. If you've never listened to Rico 12reco12.com, Check out this brother's podcast. Great approach. Right now, Justin is working through the 12 steps. I think he's on step five or six this week. I've lost track. I was able to do step one on his podcast a few weeks ago, but we're going to be recording this Friday for next Tuesday's release, a week from tomorrow, or when you listen to it today, I think that'll be the 12th. Of April. And so listen for that. And then also, my friends, uh, Corey and Marty uh, W uh, on 217 Recovery. We're going to be in studio together doing reciprocals. So look for those. You'll really love Corey and Marty. A great approach to recovery, a wonderful couple practicing personal relationships on their own personal recovery, their husband and wife. Great team. So 217 Recovery. And then also Rico12.com. Check those podcasts out. And then also I'm going to be doing my semi-annual fundraiser. Hopefully by this Wednesday night, I'll have my square page set up and I'll let you know how you can participate and be a part of that. Also, again, go to Recovery, The Real Recovery Guy on YouTube to watch my videos. Now, let's get back to what I'm talking about. Learning to fly. When I first came into recovery, to use the metaphor of flying, my wings were clipped. I was grounded. I I could barely roll over, let alone crawl. When I recognized, especially after my relapse, in that my first 71 days were a little different because I wasn't rigorously honest and that led to my relapse. Um, I half measured things, right? And it says half measures availed us nothing. I I learned AAEs, I learned the lingo, I learned the talk, I learned the cliches, and I tried to distract you because if I didn't, you would know that I wasn't being honest. So I was a little honest, and, and you know, it's interesting, Father Martin in his chalk talk, and if you've never listened to Father Martin on the 12 Steps, you got to go YouTube this guy, unbelievable, not an alcoholic. But he would go to AA meetings as a priest to come to an understanding of how to assist those who would come to his parish seeking recovery help. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I've ever heard a more brilliant person in or out of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Brilliant. Got to go check out Father Martin on YouTube. You'll find all sorts of work by him. Anyway, Father Martin said, the only thing worse than a lie—are you ready for this? The only thing worse than a lie is a half-truth. Interesting concept, isn't it? The thing about a lie is most of us can see the lie coming, especially those of us who are desiring or seeking truth, because we see it as a compare and contrast, light and dark, right? Heavy and light. We we can distinguish those things quite easily. But a half-truth, now that's a little bit more difficult to perceive or to catch. So a half-truth has enough truth to fool you, but not enough truth. There's enough dishonesty about it to sort of get you off track. It's like smoke and mirrors. It's like sleight of hand. What sleight of hand or so-called magicians do, they don't perform magic. They they make you, it's illusion. They make you think you're seeing something that you're not. And that's what a half truth does, and that's how I lived my first seventy-one days. When I came back on April twenty fifth, nineteen eighty six, I realized that I needed to change my ways of thinking, my levels of honesty, or I would relapse again. And I came to believe that I was fortunate to come back to the rooms because not everyone does. And if I did not get honest, I would relapse and I would likely die. That's what my life had come to. Uh, My relapse was so unsuccessful in the fact that I could not recapture the moment. So, So my options were when I was before recovery was kill myself or go through life sideways. And then I came to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous through Gamblers Anonymous. And I realized I could go through life sideways or I could learn to live and be happy, joyous and free like Will, like Scott, like Eddie, like Jack, like Mike, Um, you know, like Tom, like Pete, the Greek, like, you know, uh, Russian Ted, Fast Eddie, all, all of the significant people in my life. I could, I could live that way. Then when I relapsed, it was interesting. My relapse became, I realized I could no longer go through life sideways. So that was out as an option. So now my options were kill myself or go back to AA. Fortunately, fortunately, I went back to Alcoholics Anonymous because the only thing waiting for me was death. And in the beginning of my recovery, it was fear of relapsing that got me to do the steps. After I began to see the change, after I began to learn to fly and I began to see a view, not from the ground, but from above, then my life became unbelievably crazy. Learning to fly, it's like a Tom Petty song, right? My one of my favorite songs by the late great Tom Petty. I'm learning to fly, but I ain't got wings. Coming down is the hardest thing. So, you know what? I decided just to stay up there. I fly at different elevations, but I'm always in the air. I'm always flying, I'm always striving. Every now and then I land, right? But my goal is to fly as often and as high as possible. I love to soar, I love to feel the breeze, I, I love the sense of accomplishment, I love to dive down deep into things that I don't know, to learn, to extract, so I can soar even higher. I love to dive down and to go in different directions to see who I can help along the way to sort of circle, you know, like a like a hawk, like a bird of prey does, how it just gets out and it flaps its wings over the clouds and over the air, and it sort of elevates and glides and works its way through the sky, and it looks at opportunities down below on the land, and it swoops down, and it grabs what it needs to, and it goes back up sometimes in its nest, sometimes it eats its prey in flight. Whatever we can do, do you, do you love that metaphor? Doesn't Isn't that exciting? This is what awaits you and me when we decide to learn how to fly. And in the rooms of recovery or where you are recovering, there may be sometimes, as in Jonathan Livingston's seagull, you'll meet the other seagulls who don't want Jonathan to learn how to fly. They've got a ceiling. They've said, you can't do this. And Jonathan's looking at things and said, well, not only can I, but I have, right? Have you ever flown? Have you ever really stretched to see what you could absolutely do? You know, early on in my recovery, (coughs) let me take a drink of iced tea here. Thank you. Laura makes the most fabulous iced tea. Anyway, early on in my recovery, I... um, I was sober a year and a half in Las Vegas and I had been seven years in Las Vegas by this time. And I was raised, I was born in Michigan, raised in LA, and I wanted to go back to Southern California. And so this was part, and this was after I read this book, I thought, you know what? I want to fly there. I want to learn how to fly. I want to learn how to soar. I want to learn how to spread my wings. It represented an opportunity of a different elevation. So I got together with my sponsor Jack and talked with some people and talked with my uh, my my boss Fernando at the Golden Nugget, and I sent out applications. Uh, ended up uh, sending an application to Black Angus Restaurant in Fullerton, California, and I did all the groundwork. So I didn't go off. I didn't just fly for the sake of flying. It's like uh, jumping out of a plane with a parachute, not making sure it's packed. It just, it's not safe. So you lay, you lay all the groundwork. You don't fly for the sake of flying. You fly because it makes sense to fly, and you're ready to fly. You, there is some risk involved, but you factored in that risk, and you're flying out of sense of accomplishment, desire, and and the, the knowledge that you can succeed in this. And so, I sat down and I and I and I flew. Some people said, "Don't do it, don't do it." Some in California, some in 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 Las Vegas, "Don't do it, don't go." You can't fly that high. You're only a year and a half sober. You can't do this. You're going to relapse. But you know what? I did the groundwork. I did the study. I understood what it was going to take for me to do that. And you know, I did it. I learned to fly. I decided I was not going to allow others to dictate to me because I was getting good counsel. I was getting counsel from people who had mastered the art of flying. You'll find them in the first 164 pages of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So if you have a problem with any of this, as my sponsor Slow Will would say, you need to read the first 164 pages of the big book because your problem's really not with me, right? So if we're in recovery, we need to learn how to fly, not foolishly, not without caution, not without understanding certain laws of aerodynamics, but we can fly. We can risk. As long as our motives are correct, we can go anywhere. We can do anything. We can be whatever we want to be. We just need to learn how to fly. Learning to fly. We need to become a Jonathan. We need to become that seagull who says, I know what you're saying. I hear you. And just own the fact that you've decided not to fly to the degree that you can. The only thing I ask is that you don't prevent me from flying because I'm ready to blow this thing up. I am ready to get out. I am ready to fly as high as I possibly can because I need to show the other seagulls that they can fly as well. You know, a person on Twitter the other day, by the way, if you don't follow me on Twitter, it's at recoveryguy1986. So at recoveryguy1986. And a person the other day said, do you still go to meetings and why? So my answer is yes, I still go to meetings. and 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 the reason is for you. I go to meetings for you because that's what it says in step 12. Do I get benefit by going? Of course I do, right? But I do it for you because I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, and I tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So I do that, and I practice these principles, and as a result of practicing these principles, which includes flying, I become more well. But that is why I go. That is why I fly. That is why I do these podcasts. Again, I have 13,127 days today. On one hand, I've made it. And on the other hand, I'm just learning how to fly. I don't know how high I can fly. Do you know how high you can fly? Have you ever flown at all? Do you know what it's like to feel the air under your wings and the pressure that wants you to rise, but the restriction from above because there's this thing called gravity. In recovery, we can... We can bypass the laws of aerodynamics because there is no limit to our wellness. There is no limit to our recovery because it is relative to the person experiencing it. Was I recovered at six, eight, nine months? Yes, I was. I had done the steps. I had worked the steps. I was a recovered alcoholic. Am I more recovered today? Yes. Did I learn how to fly then? Yes. Yes. Do I soar higher and fly higher today, exploring new worlds of aerodynamics and and bypassing all the laws and restrictions based on what I believe I want and can do? Yes. Do I have people in my life who cheer me on? Yes. Do I listen to them? Yes. Do I have people in my life who tell me, you shouldn't fly so high or maybe you shouldn't fly at all? Yes, I do. Do I listen to them? No, because I am learning to fly. I hope you learn to fly. I hope you take this podcast as an energetic challenge. Number one, to go get the book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. It's only 10 bucks on Amazon, right? That's new. You can probably find it cheaper used. And read the book. Become a Jonathan. Understand that everything that you possess To soar to the greatest heights in your personal recovery you already own. The fact that you can fly has already been determined. Whether or not you do fly is up to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love you and my audience. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do at Recovery Guy. Remember, we got broken apart, but we get whole together. And as always, my name is Robert and I am the Recovery Guy.